Um, today we're going to talk about making decisions and how to make really good decisions. In fact, not just good decisions, we're going to talk about how to make great decisions. Now, a quick, kind of quick poll, uh, just raise a hand. Does anybody ever in here ever suffer from indecision? Anybody? All right, there's some. Anybody that couldn't decide if you should raise your hand right there? Because that would be an indicator. Uh, there's a guy by the name of uh, Borum, and he said, we make our decisions and then our decisions make up, uh, make us. And if you think about life, you, everything is decisions. I, I did some research on this, and there's some, somebody has found, and I don't know how they found this, but they said that we make about 35,000 decisions a day, which seems way crazy too many. But think about it. I have to decide when I'm going to get up. I have to decide if I'm going to set my alarm. When my alarm goes off, I have to decide if I'm going to hit snooze. If I'm going to hit snooze again. You know, when am I going to get up? Am I going to take a shower? If I don't take a shower, where am I going to go to church? Because I don't want to go to church with, with people that know me. You know, uh, um, what, am I going to go to church? What am I going to do? What am I, what am I going to have for dinner? I mean, there's, there's just, it's decision. What am I going to wear? Everything is a decision. And we, we make some that we regret and we make some for which we rejoice, and life is just this series of, we're just constantly making decisions. And, and so the, the thing I like about the book of James is, it talks a ton about real practical stuff. How, how do you make good decisions? Well, who doesn't need to know how to make good decisions? In fact, we're going to talk about great decisions. Who doesn't need to know that? And let me use, I used a hiking analogy last week, let me use one more. Um, when you go hiking, there's usually at the trailhead a map like this, or if you look online, there's a map like this. And, and you can take different trails. You can take the green trail, or you can take the blue trail, you can take the orange trail. And, and, and you are here, right? And that's where you start. And you figure out, am I going to go right, left? Am I going to go straight? When I get to the first junction, which do I go? And on the trees, usually there are blazes. There's a, a, you know, a splotch of white paint if it's the white trail, and sometimes it's double white or it's the orange and you follow the trail. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. And usually you determine that at the trailhead. I'm here at the trailhead and I'm going to go, I'm going to take the orange path. And it's going to take me out and it's going to make a loop. The funny thing about trails, um, at least that we've discovered, is sometimes it's hard to follow the path. And so um, we always take a hike on Christmas Day just because nobody's out there. We kind of like that. And it's sort of a tradition for our family. And a couple of years ago, we went to Jones Gap, and we were going to hike this one hike that's you know wasn't too long. Um, I think it was maybe four miles, which really isn't a long, long hike. We didn't pack a lot of food. We didn't pack a lot of stuff. We started out. I think we drove out there and ate a little lunch at, at the at the trailhead, and then we then we hiked in. And we weren't planning on being out there very long. And um, we knew we were in trouble when it started getting dark, <laughs> and uh, we had been out a lot further than four miles, and we didn't take a lot of water, and, and it was getting kind of desperate, and, and, and I remember all four of my daughters were with me, uh, with Miriam and me, and, and so I, I said to them, girls, whoever's fastest, all you girls should run ahead of us, we need to really tell the, the ranger to not lock us in, because... If you get locked in up at Jones Gap, I'm not sure anybody would ever know, and we were going to be there until the next day or the next day after that. So um, they, they ran ahead, and I stayed back with Miriam because I'm chivalrous and slow, and uh, so it worked out good for us. But uh, they got down, and then we, we got out before it got too dark, but winging it when you're hiking isn't a great idea. And 
it's the same way in life, just wingy. It's just sort of, you know, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of let it come to me. Well, that's a way to live life. It's just not a good way to live life. And so James talks about this issue of how do you know how to make the right decisions. And so if you have your Bibles, we're in James 1. We're going to begin in verse 5, and we're going to look at a couple of verses today. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, I highlighted a couple of words here, three words actually, but really I should have just, the and didn't need to be highlighted. Double-minded literally means two-souled. You know that um, the Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek, and they've translated it into English. But in the Greek, that word means two-souled. It really feels like this. Do you remember the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where there was an angel and a, and a, a devil on each side? It's kind of like that. There, there's this competing interest in your life. And, and God wants you to do a certain thing, and sometimes you want to do a, a different thing, or the devil wants you to do a different thing. And, and we're divided of soul, and we have to figure out which path is the right path. Because I've been on a lot of hikes, and there are times when you get to a fork in the road, and you have to make a decision. And that's what it's talking about. The other thing when he says such a person is double-minded and unstable, a person who won't listen to the Lord, unstable, the word literally was talking about people who were drunk. And, and if you've ever been around someone who's inebriated or if you've seen it on television, they get wobbly and, and they, they stumble a lot. And, and that's what it's talking about. That, 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 that's the picture it's painting. Indecision makes us unstable. Now, it makes us unstable in several different ways. One is it makes us unstable emotionally. We, we get real nervous if we can't make good decisions. And so we get nervous and we can't eat or we eat too much and we can't sleep. or you know It, it really affects us emotionally. Then we feel like we have to go to a, a psychiatrist and, and uh, you know, we just, we're, we're lost. And David Brooks is a, a New York Times columnist and um, he talks about America right now being... Uh, being, uh, we're experiencing something called, he, he calls it a choice explosion. And this is what he says. Americans now have more choices over more things than any culture, other culture in human history. And if you don't believe me, just go try to buy some cereal. I believe most grocers carry between 250 and 350 types of cereal. Can, can, how do you need that? All you need... It's cookie crisp. I mean, really. Uh, and you're done. How hard is this? But then you go in there. There's magic stars. There's marshmallow babies. I mean, there's so, so many things. We are inundated with choices today. And, and uh, you know, you go to a restaurant and they hand you, you know, like a novel with all the things that you can order. I like the places that give me about three options. If they're, none of them have cheese. Uh, something good, something good, something good. But we, we are kind of overwhelmed with choices. And if we're not careful, we get unstable. And it kind of makes us nervous. And, and it can really, it's just problematic for us. So the first thing is we have to understand uh, indecision causes us instability emotionally. The second thing it does, it causes us, indecision makes us unstable relationally. 
who am I going to be friends with? You know, who am I going to date? Who's, who's, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? There's a lot of that that goes on. And if we're not careful, indecision really affects our relationships. How many of us who are married have had this discussion with our spouse? Where do you want to go to eat? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to go to eat? Well, I don't care. Where do you want to go to eat? And, and while that typically doesn't cause big issues, it can eventually lead to, well... We just throw up our hands as like, we don't care. Okay, so indecision can make us unstable relationally. If you think you've got it bad, though, let me, let me introduce you to this couple. This is Octavio Guillen and uh, Adriana Martinez. Now, he asked this young lady uh, when she was 15 years old to marry him. And she said yes at 15. They got married 67 years later. So you think you can't make a decision? They couldn't set a date for 67 years. So it could be worse. If you, if you got it bad, here's the good news. It could be worse. Indecision also makes us unstable spiritually. And, and that's the whole part of, here's what we want to do. I'll just whisper it to you. What we really want is for God to tell us what he wants us to do, and then we want to be able to decide if we're going to do it or not. What God wants to do is, He wants us to say, I'm committed to you to do whatever you ask. And then when we say, God, I'm all in, tell, us, tell me what to do, we do it. That's the whole part of being unstable, uh, of being indecisive. We, we would rather Him tell us so we can decide rather than decide and then Him tell us. And see, there's a big difference. The difference is, I've got to commit, I've got to really be all in so he can give me the information. Because if I'm just going to say, God, you know, let, let me have my options. Do you ever shop for anything? Anybody ever shop for stuff? I just shopped for tires recently, shopping for tires. And uh, it's easier today because you, you, you used to have to call you know, six different places. And now you can look online and kind of figure out what stuff costs. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, I'm, 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 kinda, I'm, all, I'm looking for a bargain. I'm trying to shop and that kind of stuff. And, and it's funny... Um, we want God to give us an option, and then we want to have this option. We want four or five options, and that's not the way God works. God basically says to us, commit, and then I'll give you, Jesus said, I promise you a full and meaningful life. Who doesn't want that? I mean, who's, who doesn't want a life of fullness and meaning? Well, maybe we don't. Because a lot of times all we want is a life full of comfort and ease. Fullness and meaning is better than that, just so you know. But that might not be easy, but it would be full and meaningful. We, we get this idea that I, I'm supposed to live like everybody else, and that's supposed to be easy like everybody else. And Jesus never promised that to us. But he did say, man, I'm going to give you purpose in life. And, and when you get to the Father, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We, we struggle spiritually. We, we are indecisive. Well, God, you know, I, I know you want me to stay pure, but man, she is babelicious, you know, and so uh, am I going to go that direction? Or uh, we, we struggle with this sort of stuff. And, and so the problem is we're, we're indecisive. Now, there is a solution. The solution is get wisdom. It's really kind of simple. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God because he would like to give it to you. And it's kind of funny. We all lack wisdom. I have to admit I have a need. Does any, is there anybody in here who ever just doesn't need any wisdom? 
I mean, who, who doesn't need wisdom? It's kind of snarky, frankly. Or as my uh, British friends would say, it's a little cheeky. It's a little cheeky, this little comment. If any of you lacks wisdom, what it should really say is because you lack wisdom. Because we all lack wisdom. And we all need a little help. Here, our society, we sort of revere knowledge. We revere people who are knowledgeable. But there's a difference in knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that my hike today is 12 miles. Wisdom is taking water for the hike. You have to do something with the knowledge, right? I could know my hike is 12 miles. I could know there's no water along the way. I can have knowledge, but I have to do something with it. That's wisdom. Capitalism is setting up a, 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 a lemonade stand six miles in. That's capitalism. It's a different thing. Uh, the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I can know stuff, but I've got to know what to do with stuff. And that is wisdom. Now, the Bible gives us some warnings. One is pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride is a wisdom blocker. If you already have it all together, if you already know everything, then you don't need any advice. If you already know it all, you don't need to hear anything from anybody else. Until I admit to God, hey, I don't have it all together and I really need some wisdom, we're not going to get wisdom. And we all get critiqued. It could be, I mean, I, I guess we all, I, as a pastor, I get critiqued. People tell me stuff. They, they give me advice. And, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't make sense and sometimes it does. I mean, you get advice. Sometimes it's the, the direction that you're trying to go. Sometimes it's not. You get advice. I get advice from my wife. I get advice from my mama. I get advice from my daughters. I get advice from all kinds of women. Uh, uh, they're always telling me what to do. You get advice. It's okay to get advice. So the, the thing about advice is, am I going to be humble enough to listen to it? Now, those of you who are advice givers, you have to understand, it's, it's really, you have, the timing has to be right. But I remember one time I was at uh, my church in Michigan, and we did three services there. And, and by the time you're through with the third service, if you've never been um, a, a preacher, if you've never you know, given talks... The third time, it, it really just kind of, you're kind of tired, physically tired. And a guy came up, and he wanted to tell me something that I should do. And it was really good advice, but I just wasn't in a mind frame. It wasn't, I just wasn't able to hear it. And so I was, I was polite, but I was like, I can't think about it right now. All right, so then I go home, and I get my, my Sunday afternoon nap, which is from God. And, 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 and then I woke up, and... And I started to think about this idea. I was like, that's a great idea. It was really a good idea. But I had to be in the right frame to get it. What Solomon is saying here is, we should always be willing to listen. Now, now people might give you advice, and it might be the wrong advice. It's a, you don't have to take it. But we, all, we ought to be at least willing to listen. Because God uses lots of different ways to communicate to us. And maybe God is speaking to somebody else. So the first thing, I have to admit I need wisdom. The second thing, I have to ask for it. God wants to give it to me. I just have to ask for it. And it's not that, where, where do you get wisdom? I mean, we all get it from someplace. Are you looking for it at Facebook? I mean, please tell me you're not. Um, you look, are you looking to Twitter for wisdom? Are you Googling wisdom? Are you asking Siri for wisdom? You could ask Siri how to get to the mall. That's great. She can give you direction. She can give you knowledge. She can't give you wisdom. You, you can't say, hey, Siri, how should I invest my money? Siri, what should I do with my life? Siri, uh, you know, where does God want me to be? Because she doesn't know. 
But God knows, and he's willing to tell you. But you have to ask. The thing is, you just have to ask. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if God would say to you, ask me and I'll give it to you? Well, he did. He, he says this to us. We, we sort of get this idea that, well, that's just for you know, preachers or that's just for monks or that's just for the priest. Well, if any of you, who's any of you? Isn't that us? It's all us. All y'all. It's all us. If any of you lacks wisdom, he wants to give it to anyone. He, he, and it, later it says he gives it generously. He's, he, he doesn't hold back. doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you, what station in life you're in. doesn't matter even if you deserve it. I, I read this story this week. This is really off topic, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, there's a, a really handsome guy. And he walks into a restaurant with his uh, ostrich. And he orders a burger, fries, a drink, and a bird, bowl of bird seed for his bird. And he goes to pay, and the waitress who took his order says, she brings it up, and she says, that'll be ten fifty six. And he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls it out, and he hands it to her, doesn't count it, and she counts it out, and it's perfect. It's exact, the exact amount. And it's kind, of, it's kind of odd, but cool. He does this day after day after day after day. 14 days in a row, he comes in, and, and he orders something different every day. And every day, she'll say it's, you know, 1742, and he'll reach in his pocket, and he'll hand it to her before... <laughs> He doesn't count it or anything. And it just amazes her. And, and she says, I've got to ask you. I mean, this is, this is two weeks in a row you've done this. I, I don't know how you do this. How do you know what it's going to be? He said, well, I was cleaning out my attic. I found this, uh, this lamp. Started rubbing the lamp and this genie pops out. And he says, I can have three wishes. She said, well, what did you wish for? Well, I, I wish to be uh, incredibly handsome. And she said, well, you are. It's, it, it, that worked. What else did you wish for? Well, the second wish was, I, I wish that anytime somebody asked me for money, I would reach in my pocket and I would have it exactly. And she said, that is really smart because a lot of people ask for a, you know, like an amount, like I want $5 million or whatever. You, yours is into perpetuity. I mean, it's just brilliant. But she said, now what's up with the ostrich? He said, well, my third wish was I wanted a chick with long legs. So, you know, it's uh, look out for me. So he wasn't always wise. You can use that at Rotary. Uh, it's good for you. Okay. So there's a guy named Solomon, right? Solomon becomes the king of Israel, replacing his dad, whose name was David. If you know much about the Old Testament, David is one of those guys they talk about a lot. David was an amazing guy. He had a, <laughs> a remarkable life. He killed a guy named Goliath. You know, uh, you've heard these stories uh, David was a great king, but he also was uh, deeply flawed. He had uh, an affair. He uh, put a hit out on a guy named, uh, what's his name? And, uh, you know, had a, a Uriah. And, and so he had some deep flaws, right? But, but he was considered a great king. And his son Solomon takes the throne. And Solomon asks God for wisdom. It's as if God says to him, Hey, ask me anything. I'll do anything. I, I want to help you. I want, your, I want the kingdom to continue to be strong. And, and Solomon thinks about it and he says, The thing I want most, I want you to lead, help me lead wisely. 
And, and, and this is the response. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart. And, and the point is simply this. God gives wisdom to those who ask for it. All you have to do is ask. And now Solomon asked for this. And it, you know, I think there was regret from the little guy who asked for a chick with long legs. Well, Solomon never regretted asking for wisdom. In fact, later on in his life, he said, Wisdom is the most important thing. Go get wisdom. He is basically saying, if I had it all to do over again, the thing I would ask for is wisdom. We, we all have these different roles that we need to ask wisdom for. I'm a son. As a son, my mom lives in Kentucky. She's 85 years old. I ask for wisdom. God, help me to be the very best son in, in the twilight of my mom's life. I want to be the best son that she can have. I want to be a great brother to my sisters. I want to make sure they don't feel like, uh, even though I'm far away, that, that I've given them all the responsibility of taking my, take care of my mom. So, Lord, give me wisdom to know how to deal with that. And, and, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm a husband. And I want to be a great husband to my wife. And I want to be a great dad to my four daughters. And, you know, three of them are, one of them's married and two of them are uh, dating or, you know, have boys. And I have to ask wisdom, God, which ones do I shoot? Because you can't shoot them all. Which ones do we take out? Bury in the woods. Got to be wise. As a pastor, you have to be wise. And all of us as followers of Christ... We should ask for wisdom. How do we live in this world where we make a difference and where we're different without being obnoxious? Because it's a big deal for us to live differently. And, and as a pastor, my girls, all my girls, the older ones, I've got a 12-year-old and then the others in their 20s. When the others, when they were in the 20s, when they were in high school, they all played sports. And I'm an uber-competitive guy, and, and when they played sports, I would yell at referees and stuff. Which is just, I mean, it makes no difference. My kids aren't playing professionally. Like, if that guy gets a call wrong, it really doesn't affect the world. It really, it only, it doesn't affect anything. And so, at some point, somebody said to me, man, you're really, you're not representing your church very well. It's like, you're right. That was right. I stopped yelling at referees. I was at a game the other day, and um, Elise is now playing, and uh, if anybody's ever seen middle school girls basketball, um, that's really bad. And, and it's not that great. And, and I'm watching this game. It's middle school girls basketball. You know how much money you get paid to play middle school girls basketball? Nothing. I'm not sure they even, they must not pay the referees because they don't act like it. Uh, anyway, really bad call. I mean, this girl, it was our kid tripped one of their kids. And they called her for walking. It was horrible. It was like, she didn't just fall, although sometimes they do. Uh, she didn't just fall. Now, if that had been my kid, it was like, okay, she got tripped. I, what I yell at my kid now is, don't worry about that. It was, you know, I, I don't say it's a bad call, but don't worry about it. Just get up and go on. This dad from the other team, I thought he was going to take somebody out. He got all puffed up. It's like, dude, it's, it's middle school girls basketball. 
I've seen your kid play. She ain't going pro. Uh, you know, uh, it's just not worth it, right? So we ask for wisdom. God, how can I live in this world and, and live right and live differently and make a difference? I, I want to be, be different but not obnoxious, right? So we pray for this kind of wisdom. Now, the third thing is I admit I need it, I ask for it, and then I anticipate the answer because he says when you ask and you believe and not doubt, he is going to give it to us. He, he wants to give it to us. He, he is eager to give it to us. I, I love that. Look what it says. You must believe, not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And it goes back to, am I going to be in agreement to do what he tells me to do before he tells me to do it? Because if not, I'm like a, a bobber on a lake on a windy day. I'm bouncing up and down and all around. And, and that's, what he, that's what he's talking about here. Because here's the thing. Too often we find ourselves in a pickle and prayer becomes kind of our last resort. Rather than, we, we could have pre, done preemptive praying. God, I'm, I'm, you wake up in the morning and before the day ever starts, you say, Lord, I want to be, for me, I want to be a great son. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great follower of Jesus. I want to be a great pastor. I've got these roles, God, that you've given to me. Help me know how to do that. For you, whatever it is, I want to be a great mom. I want to be a great teacher. I want to be a great... Whatever it is. I want to enter this day and I want to be obedient to whatever you tell me to do. Because here, the funny thing about God is when we ask Him to guide us, He says He wants to. And He says He will. Now, we have to have faith He's going to. It's impossible, it says, to please God without faith. That's really a powerful verse. Because without faith, evidently, I can't do these things. He, he wants us to believe that He'll answer. And if we get in a pattern of asking Him to give us wisdom in all these areas of our life, then He'll answer those prayers. So the problem is indecision. The prescription is get wisdom. The promise is He'll give it. This is beautiful. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, and He gives generously. Now, in the Greek, the word gives here, it means He not only gives once, but it's like a, an artesian well of giving. He just, it just keeps giving and giving and giving. And the more you'll obey, the more He'll give. And the more you ask, the more He'll give. He not only gives, um, He just keeps giving and giving, but He gives generously. And I love that our God is a generous God. And, and I love that it says, to all. Without finding fault. You don't even deserve it. I mean, you're dumb as a bag of rocks. You don't deserve it. You make really bad decisions in your life. You've done really bad things in your life. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you're willing to obey God, you should ask God. and He'll give it to you generously. It just doesn't matter where you are. And I love the fact that we serve a generous God. And then, it's, it's odd, James uses an illustration about money and people with money. And I think he does it because money messes people up. I do premarital counseling with people, with couples. When I'm talking to a young man and a young woman about getting married, we talk a lot about money because money messes people up. 
Um, I've been a pastor over 25 years. The thing that I see when people come in for counseling, mostly in marriage, it, somewhere down the line, it has something to do with money. They don't talk about it. So we talk a lot about money. You have a budget. Do you know where your money's going? Who's going to pay the bills? That sort of thing. So James uses a money illustration. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. Time out just a second. Have you ever felt like God was honoring you when you were poor? Come on. I mean, just us. Uh, you know, really. What, what do you learn when you're poor? You learn a lot, don't you? You learn how to save. You learn how to make choices. I don't really need that, right? I don't really need that. My daughter, who is 20-something, 21, uh, 22, just got married. They live in a one-room apartment. Her husband is in college. They don't have two nickels to rub together. You know what they're learning? They're learning a lot. They're learning how to budget. They're learning what not to buy. They're learning what to buy. It's great for them. I mean, they'll, they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. My mother-in-law was one of 11 kids growing up in Switzerland. One of 11. You know what they waste? Nothing. My, if you go to my mother-in-law's house today, you look in her fridge, she's got containers this big with like seven kernels of corn in there because she is not throwing that away. We, we leftovers, we... It'll be mealtime, and she'll put out like 20 of those little containers. Okay. Because we ain't wasting it. We're not wasting it. Because she learned when she was a little girl that you just don't waste. There, there was some, some dignity in that, right? There, there's some wisdom in learning not to waste. Um, they, they saved money. By not wasting. They lived in America. They would save money. And you talk, I mean, save and save and save and save and save. And every once in a while, they would save up enough money to take the family back to Switzerland and visit the, the relatives. It was a big deal. Well, you can't save up enough money if you're throwing stuff away. There, there is honor. And there's great wisdom to be gleaned from not having a lot. I think that's what he's saying here. And then he goes on. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them because the more you have, the more you're responsible for. It, we have this crazy notion that if we had a lot, it would be easier. And maybe in life it would be, but in your responsibility toward God, I'm not sure that's true. And then he says... Um, these people with money, they will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements because money isn't an achievement. Do you want to know how much you leave when you die? All of it. You leave it all. You, you might have made billions. You might be a billionaire. And if you are, you should be tithing. Uh, um, you might be a billionaire. When you die, you leave everything. You don't take any of it with you. And, and when you stand before God, you have to give an accounting. 
That's a, that's a pun. I, I just, that's really good. Uh, you have to give an accounting for what you've done with, with your money. So, a couple of things about what James is saying here. Number one, he doesn't want to make the decision for you. God wants you to mature. We've talked about this. God wants us to get to a place of maturity. <laughs> when I was about 20 years old, my dad and I opened up a muffler shop. Not my vision, my dad's vision. Look at me. I'm not a muffler shop guy. I mean, you know, um, I'm a, I was a pretty boy. I didn't like it. And I, I worked for dad for a couple of years. But here's the thing about uh, the muffler shop. It's hard. It's hard work. It's difficult. And I worked with my dad for you know, about two years. And about the two-year point, that would put me, I was about 20, 21, 22 years old. You're going to love this. I said, Dad, I've been praying, and this is what God wants me to do. Oh, you know where it's going. Uh, I said, I feel like God wants me to quit working for you here in this hot, horrible muffler shop. And God wants me to move to Cincinnati and work at Kings Island, an amusement park, singing in the shows. Yeah, his response was much like that. My dad said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, God didn't want that. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. Now, about four years after that, I went to my dad and, I, and a little bit with fear. And I said, Dad, I really do think God wants me to go into ministry. I, I just have a call in my life and I feel like God wants me to do that. And he said, Son, how can we help you? Whatever you need, we'll help you. You see how different those things are? In those four years, look, I, I've got a lot of degrees. I've been through a lot of school. I've, I've attended a million classes. I've read a bunch of books. The five years, five or six years that I worked with my dad were the greatest It was the greatest education I got. Because I learned how to treat people. And I learned to be honest, even when it cost us. And I, learned, I just learned things that I didn't learn in a book or go into a class. And God matured me to a place, and then I could go be in ministry. My dad knew that. Here's the thing. Too many people want to say, well, I just can't make a decision, so I'm just going to leave it up to the Lord. I'm just going to leave it up to the Lord. Well, not everything that happens is God's will. Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not always done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes God's will isn't done on earth. Now God can make good come out of bad, and I believe He's great at that. But sometimes He just wants us to get to a place of maturity to make a decision and then live with it. Just make a decision and live with it. The second thing, and I harp on this, and I'm sorry, let me apologize in advance. You get wisdom from God's Word. I say it nearly every week. But the thing about the Bible is it, it is an amazing book that helps us live our lives. There are directives in there. You know, um, thou shalt not steal. It's a directive. Uh, you know, don't commit adultery. Have no other, you know, don't have a graven image or don't have any God before me. There are certain directives in Scripture. But there are also principles. 
Like when I was looking for a spouse, my, my wife's name isn't, it is in here actually, um, but um, her last name wasn't in here. Uh, my wife's name isn't in there, but it, but it does say don't be unequally yoked, um, a non-believer with a believer. There's a princ- there are principles, and, and the Bible teaches us these things, and it helps us sort of expand our minds. And you all know this verse, if you've ever been to Bible school, uh, your word is a lamp that guides my steps and a light that shows the path, and in New Testament, Old Testament times when this was written, they would put these little lanterns on their shoes that wouldn't slosh. And when they walked, basically they would walk and they could see the step in front of them and that's it. It wasn't a high beam, but it was a step at a time. And that's what this verse is talking about. The Bible instructs us, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Praying continually is part of what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ and here's the truth of the matter. We either live by our chance, chances or we live by our choices. God gives us a choice. We should make wise choices. Because here's the truth. Somebody's going to lead us. The big question for us today is, who am I going to let lead me? Am I going to let godly wisdom lead me? And a lot of godly wisdom is found in God's word. Am I going to let godly wisdom lead me? Or am I just going to lead myself and hope it all works out? This is an interesting research done. I'm going to end with this. A guy named Stephen uh, uh, Gross did some research on um, when, when fire alarms go off. A lot of times when a fire alarm goes off, what they found was, these, these psychologists found, that people don't immediately run for the exits. What they do is they try to get extra clues. So if the fire alarm goes off... Typically what people will do is see, well, is there smoke or, or, you know, can I see a flame, that kind of thing. And to our detriment, a lot of times we don't get out in time. There was this fire in, I believe it was in the 80s, I don't remember exactly, but it was at the Beverly Hills Supper Club in Louisville, Kentucky, back, back in my home state. And 177 people lost their lives. And they did some forensic research after it was over with of the people that passed away. Here's what's super interesting about that. And sad. There were people lined up to pay because that's what they know to do. So it's an emergency, but they don't want to change their patterns. And there were exit doors available, but everybody tried to crowd out one door because that's the door they came in. And the research has found that when we're in a room that we we don't know, we have a tendency not to trust the exits because we don't know where they go. By the way, if anything ever happens in here, those go to the parking lot. Uh, So that's where you want to go. I'll lead you because that's why I'm a leader. Uh, but anyway, um, but, but people die because they don't want to change. And the, he comes to this conclusion. It's kind of poignant. Committing ourselves to small change, even one that is unmistakably in our best interest, like exiting when there's a fire, is often more frightening than ignoring dangerous situations. The message today isn't easy because the message is, hey, if you commit to doing what God wants you to do, he'll give you wisdom. The first part of that's tough. You have to commit to doing what God wants you to do. Let me end with my, let's go back to hiking just for a second. I'll end with this. When we hike, sometimes we get lost, as I told you. The other day we were on a hike, we got lost. Um, part, part of the adventure is getting lost, frankly. I mean, it's kind of fun. I've got my oldest daughter, Amaris, and she always kind of you know, screenshots the, the hike. <laughs> she can't read a map, evidently, because uh, we get lost. Now, when we're lost, 
You want to know who we want to see? The, the person we want to see more than anybody is a ranger. You want to know why? Because rangers know where they are. They know where you are. They know where you want to go. And they can get you from here to there. So when I think about God and the trail of life, if we want to continue the metaphor, sometimes I get lost. But he knows not only where he is, he knows where I am, and he knows how to get me from here to there. That's why I ask. And if I was hiking and I was lost and I saw a ranger, how stupid would it be for me not to ask him, hey, dude, how do I get out of here? It would be really stupid. And here you are in life, and you have access to the God of the universe who knows everything. How stupid would it be to not ask, hey, how do I get from here to there? Because he wants to tell you. He's offered it to us. He wants us to have it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom that you give us in your word. And we want to be people who commit to you and then listen to you and then do what you tell us to do. I pray that we can be those people, that kind of people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.